Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. This is just my custom because whenever we read the Bible, I love to get us on our feet. And uh, we start a brand new teaching series today called Family Meeting. Can you all say Family Meeting? Every August, we do a series on family, and I love talking about it. And um, we, we'll, we'll dive into marriage because sometimes, you know, marriage can get tight. Marriage can get a little rough. Sometimes kids can start acting up. And so we do a whole series just on family, and this year we're calling it Family Meeting. How many remember having a family meeting growing up? Did you have a house that had family meeting? We had family meeting. And, and it was only, some of y'all, nah, my dad just beat me. That's it. That, I met with the belt. That was it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Some of you aren't, though. Um, but, but you know, whenever, <laughs> whenever it got really bad, it was like, oh, family meeting. We had to call a family meeting. Mom and dad would sit us down, kind of talk about, you're not doing this. we got to see this get better. So we're doing a series called Family Meeting, and as a family, we're going to meet together and talk about some things. And, and really, the, the, the subtitle of this series is, how can we go from surviving as a family to thriving as a family? How can we go from surviving as a family to thriving as a family? So here we go. Week one, let's dive in. First Peter chapter two, verses nine through 12. Got a few verses I'm going to read to you. If you don't got your Bibles, scripture is going to be up on the screens. Here we go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So for the next few moments, we're going to kick this thought off on this very long title that I have called, We Are Not Keeping Up With The Joneses. We are not keeping up with the Joneses. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and for your goodness. And Father, as we dive into your word now, I pray that you just speak to us. God, as I speak to this audience, would you speak to the individuals? Would you deposit a word that every single one of them needs? You know where they are at, you know where they lack, and you know what they need to hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and you may be seated. We are not keeping up with the Joneses. As I said just a minute ago, my wife and I were very fortunate to go on vacation for a couple of weeks, and uh, this was a trip that we wanted to take before we started having kids. And so if there's any young couples in the room, my advice to you right now is get those trips that you really want to take pre-kids if you can, because how many know when the kids come, it changes everything? It changes everything. In a good way, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it changes everything. Um, You know, my wife and I, for the first eight years of our marriage, one or both of us were in college. So when we got married, uh, she was 
right in the thick of undergrad. I had taken a pause on school, and then she got her undergraduate degree. I got my undergraduate degree. She went to get her master's degree. She got a master's in counseling. Then I decided to go back to school. I got a master's in business. And so for the first eight years of our marriage, we were busy and, and, and we were just grinding. And, and, and so, um, we were just at a, at a season of our life where we had to do what we had to do to keep the house afloat. Listen, pastor Josh, listen, when my wife was in graduate school, I was running the house, man. I was doing the cooking. I was doing the cleaning. I was washing the clothes. You know what I mean? You saw the worship team had like the pink tops. Like I, I was making pink tops before the Barbie movie came out. You know what I mean? Like just doing it wrong, you know, mixing the reds and the whites, but I figured it out eventually. But like, that was just a season of life we were in and, and, and it was busy because she was in grad school and here I am trying to be homemaker and working full time but um, in all of that my wife got pregnant and, and, and that was a little untimely because she was supposed to graduate we were supposed to go on trips and then she got pregnant and I'll never forget that when my wife got pregnant we weren't very happy son I love you okay but but <laughs> we, we weren't very happy because of, no we, we had all these plans we finally finished school now we can travel now we can do stuff and then we're gonna have a family but but she got pregnant and I'll never forget when she called me and I was at work I was working for a company called Northrop Grumman at the time and she called me and she's crying I thought she got in a car accident I thought something I thought maybe she got fired from her job and she's like I'm pregnant and she's bawling and you would you would have thought that somebody died (laughs) <laughs> because we had our plans, but how many know you make your plans, but God oftentimes laughs at your plans, you know what I mean? But nonetheless, uh, you know, God sent us a son, and, and like I said a minute ago, it, it just changed everything. And, and the reason I say all of that is because we go through life, and there are moments where when, we, when these things happen to us, it changes everything. Maybe it's a death. Maybe it's the birth of something. Maybe it's unplanned. Maybe it's divorce. How many know that in life we go through things and it changes everything? Like nothing's the same afterwards. And that's how it was with us when we started having kids once we had our first one, who, by the way, is amazing. Jaden, I love you. Let's give it up for my son. He's actually running the screens right now. He's 13 years old. He's a straight-A student, and he is God's gift to us. He's incredible. I love him so much. But um, it, it just changes everything. And, and, and so... Peter, who is the author of the text that we just read a minute ago, and, and let me explain scripture to you before I teach from it. Peter is talking to new believers, and he's reminding them that they are now saved, and it changes everything. They, they've, they've received salvation, and it now changes everything. And I want to I wanna just, at a high level, let you know that the book of Peter is a great book for every one of you to read because what Peter, um, the, 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 the context of Peter's letter is how do we serve God in a world that's becoming increasingly more hostile to the Christian believers? That, that was Peter's letter. If you read the book of Peter, he, he's telling them, this is how you can serve God when the world is getting real hostile towards us. Now, now I would say it kind of sounds like today, right? Like, 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 like our values, which kind of seemed congruent with culture are no longer congruent. They're not parallel with one another. The values of this world are changing. And as they change, they're looking at the church and they're saying, your values are irrelevant. Your, your values don't fit where the, this world is heading. Your values are oppressive. And so this is what's going on today. Now, I'm gonna, I'm a, I want to be careful, though, 
because we have a lot of liberties in our country. We have a lot of liberties in our country. And, and I don't want to try to gaslight some of the things that we're going through because I'm not trying to sit here and say the church is under persecution. There are countries where the church is really under persecution, like really. Like you can't have a Bible. Um, it's not allowed. There are people that are dying, dying for their faith. Okay, so while it is true that there is this clash between the church and and and, and culture right now, um, just know that we still have it good compared to the rest of this world. But nonetheless, culture is going sideways. And, and so so how do we serve God? How do we live for God? And now, mom and dad, let me I, want, I really want to help you. How do you raise a family when culture is going in a different direction? How, how, how do we teach our kids to, to win when the culture is going sideways? And, and I really believe that this is what Peter was talking about here in his letter. So let me give you some things that you can uh, take with you, some notes that you can write down. And this isn't just for moms and dads and families. This is for everyone. But I, but I really want to lay a foundation for the rest of our series, okay? And um, the first thing that we see here with Peter's writing is he lets them know, first and foremost to the church, that salvation is here. And Jesus is king. Salvation is here and Jesus is king. You see, this is the thing that changes everything, Lighthouse Church. I I don't know if if you know this, but the reason we take communion and the reason that we pause and we remember is that Jesus didn't just die for us, but Jesus on the third day rose with all power in his hand and he is now the king over this world. I thought I'd get a better amen than that on the tent this morning. You see, you got to understand that Jesus is king. There's, there, there's, a, there's a lot of, of people that worship the lot of gods, but if, and they, they worship people, and, and they prop them up as gods, but there's only one person who can claim to have been crucified, buried, and then on the third day rose from a grave. If you go to look for Jesus at a cemetery, you can't find him because he's alive. And he's not just alive. He's resurrected with all power and authority in his hand, and Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And that's the thing that changes everything. That's the linchpin of our faith, that Jesus is king. And Peter tells this to, his group, to, to, the, to the group of Christians that he's writing to. Let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, I love this, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Can you all say a living hope? We have a living hope, not a dead hope. But we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is, and I love this part right here, it is imperishable, undefiled, and it is unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter is reminding the Christian church is this. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And this has got to be the foundation of your family, Lighthouse Church. Because, because if, if we don't get this foundation right, we'll go through life thinking that, that, that there are other things that will bring us fulfillment in life. And the only one that will bring us fulfillment in life is Jesus. 
You'll go through life thinking if I just have more stuff, then my family will be okay. If we just had the house here, then our family would be okay. If I just drove this vehicle, then my family would be okay. And Peter is reminding the early believers, hey, we have a living hope in the resurrection of the dead of our King Jesus. And here's the good news for those of you that are like, okay, I get it. Jesus resurrected from the grave. What does that mean for me? It means that death doesn't hold you and that when this world is over you're gonna live again and you're gonna be resurrected together with Jesus and we're gonna live forever come on clap your hands if you're tracking with me that's that's why I love a Christian funeral you ever been to a Christian funeral and then like like not gone to a a, a, gone to a a funeral that was not for a Christian I mean Christian funerals are wild aren't they (laughs) Like they're singing, there's rejoicing, they're shouting. There might even be some dancing if you go to that type of church. Why is that? Because we know that death is not the end. We know that it's a transition, but to live is Christ and to die is what? To die is gain. We're going to live again. We're going to be reunited with our faith family. We're going to see family members again, and we're going to be together with Jesus. And so it's a different way of living when you have that type of hope. Now, how does that affect my family? Mom and daddy, you got to teach this to your children. You got to teach this to your children because what happens is in our attempt of keeping up with the Joneses, if you're not careful, you'll build your life on the wrong thing. You can build your life on the wrong foundation. But can I tell you, can I tell you what my grandma used to tell me? And, and, and I thank God for, for grandparents. How many thank God for grandparents? Like, like, like grandparents in the faith. And my grandma was like, I may not have given you everything, but I gave you Jesus. And as long as you have Jesus, you have everything. Maybe I didn't get the house. Maybe I didn't have all the stuff. Maybe I didn't have those things, but she made sure I had Jesus. And come on, how many you know that? If you've got Jesus, you've got everything. You have got everything. So, so what, do we, what do we do? We got to make sure, mom and dad, everybody in the room, listen to me. We got to make sure we are handing this down to our children. Because the, the, the world culture is going to try to pull them and say, you need these things in order to be fulfilled. You need these things in order to have the good life. You need these things. And there's nothing wrong with things as, wrong, as long as they are not the foundation. The foundation has to be in him. If you're writing notes, write this down. We don't build our life on things. We build our life on someone. I'll say that again. We don't build our life on some things. We build our life on someone, and that someone is Jesus. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that. We build our life on him, and we build our families on him. That's why it's time for a family meeting, because some of you guys are getting too distracted trying to keep up with your neighbors, trying to keep up with culture, trying to keep up with the world around you. And listen to me, if you win playing the wrong game, you've still lost. If you hit the bullseye on the wrong target, you still missed. And and what I'm concerned about is is too many of us are aiming at the wrong target. And when you aim at the wrong target, no matter what you do, it's always going to be a miss. Or as my kids will say, it's always going to be an L. (laughs) So so you got to make sure we have the right bullseye in life. We have to make sure we are measuring ourselves against the right standards. And we got, and that starts by building on the right foundation. Come on, how many know that we got to build on King Jesus? We need to build on him. And, and then the writer, he goes on to talk 
more about this. He, he says, you know, not, not only do we have to celebrate um, the salvation that we have and we now have resurrection from the dead, but then he goes on to this passage of Scripture. I love this passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it to you one more time. He says, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me just stop right there. Peter's doing a good job of pumping you up, but for all of the right reasons. The reason you don't need to be keeping up with those around you is because you are not like them. You're not like them. When, when, when you made a decision to follow Jesus and when you are baptized into his family, I love what the scripture says. It says you are a new creation. The, the old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And Peter's reminding them of this. He's like, listen, listen, guys, listen, guys. Listen, Jimmy believers, stop trying to measure yourselves up to the world because you're different. And, and again, going back to Christian funerals, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And, and so, so don't get overly attached to a world that isn't for us. Now, I'm not saying to be weird or anything like that. I'm not saying anything like that, but... But at the same time, just know if you've ever felt like I'm different, you are different. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are royalty here on this earth, and you're not supposed to blend in with everyone else. As a matter of fact, if you're getting a little too comfortable here, that may be a problem. We need to get you in a connect group, okay? We need to get you in a connect group, all right? We need to talk about that. But, but you should fit out. You get what I'm saying? It should feel a little different. Your conversation should be different. And if you tell your coworkers you're Christian, that should not come as a shock to them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, I was at church yesterday. You go to church? I could tell the way you cuss people out. I mean, I just, I just had no idea. You know what I mean? But, but they, they should, to a point, understand if you're doing it right. Now, 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 where do we do it wrong? We do it wrong when we stop or if we've never learned the community that we belong to. Okay? Because for some of us, we think going to church is going to a building. Or we think being a part of a church is being part of a program. And so here's the danger in that. We dilute church to an event that you attend and not a family that you belong to. We dilute church to an event that you attend and not a family that you belong to. Church was never a program. Church was never a building. And listen, I understand it's colloquial now to just say, hey, I'm going to church. I get that. No one's going to harass you over that. It's common language. But if you don't have the right understanding, you're going to miss the importance of what I'm about to tell you. But, but, but you were not saved to just be a part of a program or to occupy a chair in the tent. <laughs> no, 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 no. You were saved because you are now a part of a new family. And that new family is the church. Church is not a building. Church is not a program. Church is a people. As a matter of fact, it comes from the Greek word ecclesia. Y'all going to learn a little bit of Greek today, okay? Church comes from the Greek word ecclesia. And when Jesus said this, he was talking about people who are called out, a, a called out assembly. That's why we are in the world, but we're not of the world because we've been called out of the world. Does that make sense, Lighthouse Church? You tracking with me so far? So, so we've been called out of the world. Are we in this world? Absolutely, but we've been called out of the world. And so the church is simply the called out ones. That's what the church is. The church is the called out ones. Now, as I, my wife and I, went, when we were on our trip, we got a chance to go to the Colosseum in Rome, which was the, one of the highlights of my trip for two reasons. 
Number one, I watched a lot of Gladiator growing up. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so it was cool to be there, you know what I mean? Even though it's fiction, <laughs> that happened, all right? <laughs> like, in my mind, that happened, you know? That's history. They ought to teach that in seventh grade. But, um, <laughs> okay, but more so, let me be more serious now. Just, just knowing the history of what happened there, just knowing, like, man, this was a place of death, like, a lot of death. And if I can be more specific, under the Emperor Nero, when Christians were being persecuted, they were killed simply for being part of the called out ones. You see, in the early church, they were willing to die for their faith. In the early church, they, they, they were so in love with Jesus. They, they were so sure of their salvation. That even though they were threatened with death, you could not convince them that Jesus was not alive. You could not convince them that Jesus was made up, as some were contending. You could not convince them that Jesus was just a man. That, that, that's actually why, if you took a very analytical approach to our faith, just, just, just think about it for a second. That, that this Jewish son of a carpenter who became a rabbi... Claims to be the Messiah, if he died and stayed dead, nobody would be willing to die for this person. But it's not just that he resurrected, but that 500, that's what they, 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 they approximate, 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus and they were willing to die for that. Why do you say all that, Pastor Josh? Because sometimes we don't go to church because it's hot. Like, we have become so fickle with our faith. Who's preaching? No, I'm not going. I'll wait till they get in the building and they have air conditioning. I get that. I get that a little bit. I'm up here sweating. But anyway. But, but we, we've become so fickle with our faith. I mean, the early church of which we, again, we're all a part of. We're all a part of that same body. They were willing to lay down their lives for their faith. And this is why to them, church was not a building and church was not a program. And it wasn't something they did on a Sunday. It was who they were. And Lighthouse, you need to get this. You are a part of the church. And mom and dad, you need to teach this to your children. We don't go to church. We are the church. So let, let me, as the church, we are people who have found Christ. He has radically changed our lives. We are no longer the same. Now, mom and dad, let me help you for a second. To all the kids that are in the room right now, all the teenagers in the tent today, if you're like, why do I got to go to church so much? <laughs> why are they dragging me out on a Sunday? I could be at the beach, whatever. Um, listen, your, your parents aren't trying to bring you to an event. They're trying to introduce you to a person named Jesus. And they're really hoping that you fall in love with him the way that they have fallen in love with him. Because they know that if you build your life on Jesus, you'll always go right in life. You'll always go right in life. Come on, mom and dad. I thought you'd give me a little more of a shout out than that. Life, does, life may not be perfect. Life will have its ups and downs. Absolutely. It's life. But if you build your life on Jesus, that is the best shot that you have in life. That's just what they believe. And so they might drag you out here on a Sunday. Why? Because they love you and they are desperate for you to find Jesus for yourself. They are desperate for you to enter into a relationship with Jesus for yourself. Because they know if you introduce this, if, if, you, uh, if you meet Jesus, it is the best shot that you have at this life. Come on, let's give God some praise if you believe that. God, let me wind it down as I come to a close. We are part of a new and a bigger family called the church. 
but then I love how I love how Peter gets this point here where then Peter says to them, okay, now, now listen. Here's what I want for you guys to do. He says, I want you to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I want you to, to, to look at what Peter says there. He says, so when they, can you say when they? When they speak against you, not if they, not if they, but when they, because when you follow Jesus, you will be misunderstood. Can I just tell you that Lighthouse Church? I know, I, if someone told you if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be better and, 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 and everyone's going to love you and everyone's going to like you and you're never going to have an enemy in life. Somebody lied to you, okay? And I tell you that with all the love, all right? Listen, I, I've said this before. If you want to make everybody happy, sell ice cream. That's <laughs> it. You sell ice cream. But, but listen, serving Jesus, living for Jesus, people are going to misunderstand you. And, and, and Peter's speaking to us. He says, listen, when they speak against you, keep your conduct honorable. Can you all say honorable? honorable? I'm always amazed at the churches that want to get hostile with people that they're trying to reach. Rich Velotis says it's a curious evangelism strategy to fight with the people that you're trying to reach. And, and I get it. We're, we live in a hostile world, and I get it. Some of you are saved and not that saved, and you're just waiting for someone to pop off so you can lay hands on them. And I'm not talking about prayer. You're like, you're holy, but you're kind of hood. I get that. But, like, <laughs> I think Peter saw some of that, and he said, hey, keep your conduct honorable. I'm going to go back a slide. Our love for God and our love for others will overcome evil with good. Our love for God and our love for others will overcome evil with good. Is it always easy? No. Are people going to are people going to upset you? Yes. Is it easy to turn the other cheek? No. Was that Pastor Josh who told you to do that? No, that was Jesus, right? He was the one that said, if they slap you, turn the other cheek. So I know sometimes you hear that and it's like, I don't believe that part of the Bible. Well, Jesus was talking, all right? So you ought to write that down. But this, this is the life that we are called to live in. And, and Peter is reminding the believers, he's saying, just keep your conduct honorable. And if you love God and if you love others, I love how he says this. Eventually, maybe not initially, but eventually they're going to see your good deeds. They're going to start to glorify God. Eventually, it's going to be so irresistible Maybe they made fun of you at first. Maybe they misunderstood you at first. But listen to me, Lighthouse. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. How do we overcome evil with good? How, how, do, how do we show people the goodness of God? By just loving people. Just, just loving them. And it's going to change the world. The disciples, the early believers of Jesus, it was said of them that they turned the world upside down. Or read the book of Acts when, when, when the 11 disciples, because Judas popped off and, you know, so when the 11 disciples would walk into a town, the town were like, here come the people that are turning the world upside down. And they weren't doing it through fighting, bickering. They weren't a gang. They just simply loved on people. And as they loved on people, they changed the world. Something so small as let's just love on all the teachers at the Vista Magnet School. Because they're not here right now on a Sunday hearing this message. 
But what they are going to see is that there's people across the street that care about them enough that maybe one day they will cross the street and come on over here. But they won't cross the street until they know that you care. I like how John Maxwell says, don't ask for someone's heart until you've first given them your hand. You got to serve people before you can ask for anything back. And this is what Peter was getting at. Peter was saying, like, our love for God and our love for others is going to overcome evil with good. And there's a quote by Pastor John Mac, by Pastor uh, Chris Hodges that I want to read to you. But before I get there, let me just tell you a quick story. Um, several years ago, actually going back to right around the time that my son was coming into this world, um, it's kind of funny because the first time we went to uh, to go find out the gender of our of our kiddo, they were like, ah, can't really tell, but we think it's a girl. It's like the way the way that he's positioned in the womb, we really can't tell. We ran with that. I mean, my, my wife wanted a baby girl, so we started buying tutus and, like, <laughs> shoes. And it was like, you know, we were going for it. And then we go back, they're like, oh, that's a boy. That's definitely a boy. Okay? It's clear as day. It's a boy. So we had to give away all this all of these like girl clothes. <laughs> You're like, all right, we don't, we don't need the tutus anymore. You know, give it away. So anyway, um, where I'm going with all of that is something hit me though when they said you're having a boy because at that point in my life, I was probably the unhealthiest I had ever been and I was like, oh my God, it's a boy. I've got to get in shape. It's weird the things that cause you to have watershed moments but I was like, I've got to get in shape. So I started going on a, on a health journey, started running. I joined a run club. So I joined a, a run club um, with, with guys and girls that would run in my part of town. And I'll never forget them. I'm out there at the run club just running. And then, you know, this had become my community. This had become my people. And uh, there was one guy that was new. And so he started coming. And one day as I'm running, we're just out on a group run, okay? My, I'm minding my own business, just running, trying to become a better version of myself. This guy named Kevin pulls up on me. Runs up. And says, hey, heard you're a pastor. Yeah, I'm a pastor. Okay, go to church and all that stuff? Yeah, go to church. We're still running. Hey, don't preach to me about Jesus. I'm like, dude, you're stalking me. <laughs> like, I'm just out here trying to run. And he's like, don't preach to me about Jesus. Don't talk to me about the church. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I'm like, it's cool, Kevin. Like, you're bothering me. You know what I mean? It's like, in my flesh, I was about to, like, I want to say something. But I'm like, you know, like, whatever. Okay, said, so hey, kid, don't worry about it. I won't bother you. I'm here to run. Not to preach. I don't have any tracks today that say if you die today, where will you go, heaven or hell? I don't got it. I, I didn't have a WWJD bracelet. I didn't have a cross on my shirt. I was like, as non I'm just there to run, you know. But Kevin made it clear to me on day one, don't preach to me. I don't want to hear about your church. He went out of his way to tell me that. He was from Oregon. That explains everything. Anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love you, Oregon. Um, I'm kidding. But I will say this, though. I just, he was my friend. Kept him as a friend. Just, just, you know, didn't cut him off or anything like that. It's cool. Just didn't preach to him. He didn't want to be preached to, and I honestly wasn't about to preach to him either. But every winter, the connect group that my wife and I led at that time, our small group that we led, we would, in the winter, um, we would do a, an outreach thing where we would um, gather um, gloves and blankets and toothpaste, and, and we would deliver these care packages to people that were living in homelessness in downtown. That was just something we did. We did it for a couple years. So 
gather these care packages and we'd go to downtown and we'd drop off care packages for the homeless community because it's December, it's about to get really, really cold. I mean, it's San Diego cold, but you get what I'm saying. It's like it's about to get cold and so we're trying to drop off these care packages and so we were getting ready to do that and I was posting on my social media, hey, we're getting ready to do this. If any of you would like to contribute, this is how you can find me, let us know. Well, guess who had 250 gloves to donate to the homeless community? Kevin. Kevin, don't preach to me, Kevin. Kevin, don't talk to me about church, Kevin. That Kevin looked me up and said, hey, uh, I run a company and saw what you're doing for the homeless. I think it's amazing. I have, I want to donate 250 gloves. I was like, Kevin, I don't even know how to get rid of that many gloves. We'll take it. You know what I mean? And, and what's my point in all of that? I'm not saying that Kevin came to faith. I'm not saying that Kevin got radically saved and spoke in tongues and all that. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying what I am saying is I saw Kevin Go from here to here. I saw him take one step. A person that wanted nothing to do with God and nothing to do with church decided, if you guys are about helping other people, I want to be a part of that. And, and that is how we live our faith, Lighthouse Church. This year, we have done more for the community than we've been able to do um, in the past. Why is that? Because we're a four-year-old church. We finally have finances. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes like, why aren't you doing more? I'm like, because we're broke. We're a year old. We're just trying to pay the electric bill. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, like, like we, we've been able to do so much for the community this year. I'm so excited. I'm so excited we're getting ready to do this. But I mean, like, like, like our serve day was amazing. Come on, let's give it up for everyone. Like, like things that we've been able to do. Like, we have served our community this year more than we ever have. And that matters more than anything else we do as a church. Seeing people saved and loving on our community is priorities one and one A of this church. And, and this is what Paul was talking about. He said, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, you overcome them through your good deeds. And then they begin to glorify God. And so, mom and dad, what would happen if you lived this out at your home? Because I know some of you are struggling to bring your kids to faith. Maybe it's because they have yet to see your faith in action. And it's one thing to teach them your faith. It's another thing to show them your faith. It's one thing to preach to them. But I've learned in parenting more is caught than what is taught. So let them catch you doing it. Let them catch you loving on your neighbor. Let them catch you worshiping God. Let them catch you praying. Let them catch you reading your Bible. Let them catch you loving on others. Let them catch you overcoming evil with good. Let them catch you do that. When we do that, we are are building on a sure foundation. So let me give you that quote from Pastor Chris Hodges. He said, we can't let people come to church looking for God and only find us. Some of us, because we are not living it out loud, and we are not demonstrating the love of God. They come to our church and all they see is, well, y'all seem real concerned about your programs. Y'all seem real busy about your music. Y'all seem really into, your, into what you do at this church. Let it not be said of Lighthouse Church. But let it be said that Lighthouse Church loved God. We're fiercely devoted to him. But they loved their community. They loved other people. Whether they looked at them, voted like them, agreed with them, came to their church. No, we're going to love on people because they are sons and daughters of God that just don't know it yet. Let me pray for you right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.